This is the Commercial Property Show Australia. Show number 23. You can have a pretty strong strategy in place to reduce risk because of the positive cash flow that that property is generating. Yeah, it just makes sense now, doesn't it? Well, it's always made sense to me, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, commercial property community. It's 2021. I am your host, Andrew Bean. We have another great year of shows lined up for you today, and today is no different, and here it is. In the first show of 2021, James Dawson and I are going to reflect back on the year that 2020 was. We're going to use what we learned in 2020 to make us better investors in the future. And James gives his predictions for 2021 and ranks each sector in order of least to most favorite right now. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. Go to www commercialpropertyshow.com.au Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. Author of the best-selling book The Seven Day Weekend returns to the show Mr. James Dawson. How are you mate? Fantastic thanks Andrew. How are you? Good buddy good. Mate, 2020 has been one of the strangest years on record. So, mate, if you had to describe 2020 in one word from an investor point of view, what word would you use? Well, I guess you'd have to have the words stressful in there somewhere. (laughs) I know it's very hard for me to say one word, but uh, look, definitely I was a bit stressed like everyone else in March when everything happened. So, I think stressful for a few months and then things start to sort out so yeah difficult for one word (laughs) so mate looking back where do you think the biggest opportunity was well look i'm not sure that yeah there's been tremendous opportunities in the commercial market because in the way that it's happened when the COVID sort of happened and all that some tenants couldn't pay and there had to be adjustments to rent and all that but what actually ended up happening by around sort of April, May, was we started to get this sort of knowledge of what would work, what sort of properties were okay, what sort of businesses would work, what tenants could pivot their businesses to go through this basically unprecedented time. I mean, in 40 something years of me being in the business, I've never ever, I mean, I've been through so many ups and downs economy wise and 
GFC and all that, and, you know, everyone around the world. I've got friends who got properties all over the place, and it's exactly the same for anyone in America, same for people in Greece, in Sweden, UK. It's just unprecedented. And But what it's given us is this unprecedented knowledge of what works. And, look, most people I talk to are probably, if they're not 100% back on their rents, collecting 100% of their rents, they're close to it. I think I mentioned before that in the last podcast that I've got a cafe tenant and look, they're still on a reduced rent, but they're pivoting their business and I'm prepared to support them. So I think that's one of the biggest things that's come out of this is what works so we know what to buy moving forward. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? So how are you feeling about each sector now? Look, I think obviously if you spoke to someone who perhaps had retail in Victoria, that's going to be very different than someone who's got retail, say, on the Gold Coast. So that is something that location-wise, there's been some differences. But I was in Brisbane and Noosa in the last couple of weeks, and obviously a lot of the larger restaurants have either paused or completely shut. So that's not a good thing. They haven't survived. But the smaller places like the pizza places, smaller Italian places, the cafes, Chinese restaurants, takeaways, the fast food outlets in that sector have all been going well. Small convenience centres have been going very well. Smaller supermarkets, most of the hair salons and gymnasiums are all back and going well. So it is patchy in that sort of retail sector. The one that sort of people are saying the most positive come out of the most positive sector, I guess, is the sort of industrial or that industrial crossover where you've got perhaps an office above warehouse, that sort of thing. That seems to be basically unaffected in, in most locations. And obviously hospitality style properties, which not many of my sort of small investors of what I say is up to $5 million investors would have, like hotels and things, hubs, have obviously suffered big time, but they wouldn't be normally what an investor would buy. Multi-storey office blocks, probably not the best thing to be in, but suburban offices and smaller buildings with offices, probably a great thing to be in. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially I noticed that in Newcastle actually a little while ago, where the vacancy for, this is probably really, really early on in the COVID stages, the vacancy in Newcastle offices in the city was quite high. But then those suburban offices, they were really, really doing well. Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, in Brisbane, actually, there was a huge amount of leasing activity going on. And in fact, we've had more inquiry for leasing vacant spaces than ever, than for the last two years. So that's a bit of a surprise to most of us. But I think there's been this sort of changing of the garden, people moving around. But yeah, then there's also the obvious ones like big box stores, Hardware's, Bunnings, Harvey Norman the good guys, all those sort of people, they've had a major uplift in custom because everyone's been at home and wanting to spend money on their homes. So, yeah, so I think if you were looking at a suburban retail centre with a convenience store, you know, might have the bakery, the hair salon, the vet, the doctor, the bottle shop, that sort of thing, they would be a great investment. Yeah. So do you think that retail in general will ever go back to how it was or is this a change in the way people are living now? Is this going to be too great to overcome? Look, I think it's probably a little bit too early to say. I know that when people went on pause, there was a tendency, I know, say, just talking about, say, Byron Bay, for example, a lot of shops shut like they did everywhere. And then 
some people obviously was quite stressful other people had thought well okay i've paused my rent or paused my payments if they were the owners so they were just sort of sitting on their hands for three months and then finally they're saying well gee i just want to get back to work i can't just be sitting at home so that's when people if they hadn't pivoted their business before then they certainly after about three months they were saying well okay what am I going to do here to get my business operational again? And I think it's a basic thing with commercial property. Well, there's two basic points, I guess, is that people are operating their business in a commercial property, which you might own, and that's their livelihood. So they want to get back in there if they possibly can. So that's one thing. And from a landlord's point of view, as you know, I've always been promoting buying properties that's positive cash flow. So I know in my own situation, we were able to pause and actually give some free rent away for a period of time because we have had positive cash flow, so we could afford to do that. Sort of one of those things, a bit of a black swan event, I guess, and it really tested everyone out in so many different ways from the, the tenant, the business owners, and the landlord and councils, the whole thing. So it's a bit hard to say where it's going to go, but I know that most people I've talked to are very keen to get their businesses back up and running. So from an opportunity standpoint in 2021, can you put the sectors in order from least opportunity to most opportunity? Sure. I would say probably going from least uh, multi-story office blocks, not that you know the average small investor would be buying that, but if you want, we're looking at a strata title office in a tall building, I would probably perhaps think twice about that. CBD, retail and hospitality, in large cities, you know, Sydney, etc., probably think very carefully. It's not to say that there's not some good buys there, but there'll be some that you'll think, okay, you know, what is going to happen with that? The thing is, if they have been trading now and right through the COVID, they're probably going to be fine. So they're probably borderline okay. Moving into the okay ones, suburban retail convenience centres, big box stores, hardware, homewares, nurseries, industrial. They sort of cross over industrial, office, retail. Sometimes you get an industrial centre that's got a cafe and an office in it. Drive-through takeaways never seem to fail. Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's, I mean, actually, when you think about it, my brother actually owns a property that's got drive-through. Yeah, it's the perfect thing in this event, isn't it? Something you can stay in the car, drive-through, get something and leave. So... I think there's still lots of good stuff around, but it just takes perhaps a a bit more of a hard look than it did, say, 12 months ago. And how do you feel about the tourism sector, James? Well, I mean, if you came to Byron today, you you just can't move. So I think the tourism sector, and actually, I, I mean, I was just trying to book on Airbnb for something in Scott's Head in middle of December and really struggled. So all up the Australian coast, everything is absolutely cranking. It's impossible to get anything virtually. And so the prices have gone up and good on them. They had to sit, a lot of these people had to sit with vacant properties through the COVID. Some of them rented them permanently. But now, of course, it doesn't look like we're probably going to be traveling next year. So people are booking. And it's interesting to note that I think someone told me that, I'm not sure how accurate it is, that Australians spend on average each year $60 billion on travel overseas wow. yeah wow which sounds a crazy amount but anyway so where are they spending it now i mean it's not to say that and there seems to be more savings now than people have had just from what i can see from the fin review and stuff they're saying well most people actually got more savings than they had previously so 
I think the tourism sector in Australia, now hopefully that the borders are going to be open. I know here, just I drove to Sydney and Newcastle last week, and it was relatively strong amount of traffic on the roads. And state of Port Macquarie, that was flat out. The hotel was pretty well booked out. And everyone that you speak to, they're all, thank God. Thank God we're back to having people come and stay and eat at the restaurant. They're still practising all the social distancing. So I guess that's a bit of a thing in hospitality, that they're still having to have less customers and all that there. So that's going to affect their income, obviously, a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually quite bullish on caravan parks just because people do want to travel. And if the international borders stay closed, they still want to travel within their state, but they still want to have that distance as well. So. A caravan park is really, really easily accessible for someone who wants to stay in their own environment, as in their caravan, but still get away from their day-to-day and have that that holiday. Yeah, that's right. And actually, now that you mention that, it's funny because uh, I actually had a motorhome we sold early, late last year it was, and we shouldn't have sold it. But, you know, because the motorhome, motorhomes and caravans apparently selling like hotcakes. Yeah. And the price of motorhomes as secondhand ones actually gone up. So I think you're right. I think these things, Australians do like to travel. We've got a good system of roads and it's easy to get in your car and just drive. And it's the Aussie road trip, isn't it? So I reckon that could be a great little niche market to look at. Yeah, definitely. So, mate, have you noticed an increase in interest in commercial property since this time last year? Well, I would say that when it happened in March... There was definitely, I think, everyone sitting on their hands for a bit, maybe two or three months, and then it seemed to be steadily increasing now, particularly because of the super low interest rates. And even just in the last week or so, with the latest announcement on interest rates, that's given another push because, let's face it, you're not getting anything for your money in the bank and you can still buy a great commercial property, anything from 5% net to maybe 9% net, if you know what you're doing. So there's been a lot of, I think, a lot more interest. So I think it's waxing and waning a little bit, you know, and of course, as we come towards the end of the year, typically it starts to slow down before Christmas a little bit, but Burgess Rawson auction, I think um, in the last couple of weeks, they sold 90% on the day. They sold a lot of property and some of those people weren't even in the room, whether or not they'd looked at the properties. But so there's still a great interest. And I guess the other thing is that, you know, when interest rates are low, the obvious thing that everyone should be wary of is, you know, what's going to happen when they go up. So naturally, if you're buying a property that's, say, returning 6% net and you're paying, I mean, I'm currently paying, say, around 2.5% interest only on my loans. Obviously, if you're getting 6%, you can afford to put away some money as a cash buffer or pay down that loan quite quickly. And even the Reserve Bank saying, look, interest rates probably won't rise for another three years. So you can have a pretty strong strategy in place to reduce your risk quite quickly in a number of ways because of the amount of positive cash flow that that property is generating. Yeah, it just makes sense now, doesn't it? Well, it's always made sense to me, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually a lot of people just, you come back to that basic point because a lot of people sort of lose it. They lose the fact that residential property on average is probably getting two or 3% net if you're lucky and you're still paying two or 3% for your money. So you're just lying ball. Whereas commercial property, you know, typically you could find them online 10 minutes after this podcast 
you'd be finding things for six and seven percent net and then it's just a matter of finding the right property with a strong tenant and because you've had this unprecedented knowledge of what works in the last seven months that actually in a way that makes it even safer than it was perhaps in this time last year yeah that's right so mate after everything the australian worker has gone through in 2020 like losing their jobs and all the uncertainty Do you think it'll make people wake up to how important having multiple streams of income is and just investing for cash flow in general? Yeah, obviously, I think there's lots of people in different situations and, you know, some are not in in good situations financially. But I think anyone that, you know, has some property or investments would definitely be now sort of more switched on or would hope they'd be more switched on to say, wow, I need to develop something that's separate than my job income. And it is easier to do now. I mean, the other thing that's happening next year is that the banking regulations are going to be relaxed a little bit to get the money flowing a bit more. Not that it's too hard now for the right property to get a loan, but it should be a little bit easier. So I think, yeah, it's definitely something that I think people should look at when they're looking at property investment is what is the cash flow? Don't focus so much on capital growth because it's the cash in the pocket that makes the difference. Mm. And capital growth is great. And you know that obviously you can manufacture growth in both residential and commercial property. But if you're putting $1,000 a month into your bank, genuine positive cash flow, that's money you can use now or you can pay down the loan or whatever you'd like to do as compared to, say, waiting five years, having to get a revaluation or resell the property to then pull something out. So it's it's a big difference for people. You know, I know just people that I talk to that have bought, you know, one property and they're saying, look, I'm $1,600 a month positive cash flow. It's money I can see go into my bank account and I'm super happy about that. So it's a big thing and it gives them not only a boost to their ability to invest, but gives them a bit of a moral boost because they've said, well, okay, I've, I've, you know, all investing is a risk. I've taken on an educated risk and I can see the benefits now coming through for me and my family. And, and that's a great thing. But they've got to take an educated risk. That's the key to it. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And no one's ever lost a house to the bank investing in a cash flow positive property as long as they've got a tenant. Yeah, that's right. If they're making their payments, you know, that's that's what it's all about. So what does the next purchase look like for James Dawson? Well, probably don't really need to purchase anything. Everything's sort of ticking along nicely. And I think that's actually, it's not a bad question because a lot of people just keep buying, buying, buying. And I'm sort of not like that. I guess I'm at a different age now than 10 years ago. But if I were buying something now and I may buy something, I'm looking at selling a development site property now and I may move that equity into another small convenience centre. Something like that would be perhaps my ideal investment. And that would be something that's based on, you know, having this knowledge from the last seven months as well. And plus my own centre that we have already has been going quite well. We had a few little pauses in the rents for a month or so. From that, everything's back to 100% and actually better because we've got some new tenants. So I think that's been a great thing that's comforted a lot of lot of investors over the, the last seven months to see things come back fairly quickly. Yeah, that's great. So what locations are you watching in 2021? Look, I haven't probably changed too much in what I'm looking at. Like it's still, I think, even though the cities perhaps I guess could be CBD properties could be termed 
perhaps something that there might be some fantastic buyers around now if you're able to buy vacant properties and take on that bit of extra risk. That's something that certainly could be a good strategy if you're in that financial space that you're able to do that. But look, you look at those sort of suburbs that are sort of out of the CBD and they've got that sort of village thing. And that's been, I guess, people living in these outer suburbs now are really focused on their village shops because a lot of them haven't been able to travel too far. And that's probably given them a bit of a boost that will just continue. So those sort of local suburban shopping centres, some regional locations, coastal locations, holiday locations, are probably seeing a lot more people like Byron who itching to move here permanently if their work situation allows it. So I think all those regional centres are going to go quite well and be good to look at. In fact, Terry Ryder from Hotspotting, so they do a huge amount of research, so it's interesting that they're saying the same thing. Yeah, I actually saw a report today that Byron Bay, in 2016 when they did the census, Byron Bay had the highest percentage of working from home like people in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I look at. I mean, it's a pity our internet's not as good as it should be, but um, everyone can say that probably in Australia. But I mean, I've worked for home for years, but all the people that I've got some tenants here that run businesses and international businesses and businesses in Sydney, and they would probably only go to Sydney once a month. The rest of the time, it's all just online, and of course with Zoom and all that, it's very easy to do. Yeah, so they're actually tipping that Byron Bay is like when they're, they're doing a census next year in August and they're tipping that Byron Bay will increase like again dramatically from people, the percentage of people working from home because there are actually three times more people working at home in Byron Bay than any other place in Australia. Wow. Oh, yeah. must be, you'll have to send that one to me. I'd like to see that. <laughs> no worries, mate. So do you have any big goals for 2021? Yeah, look, I'm just going to really finalise some final tenants at my shopping centre, which we're just signing up now. And then I'm going to do some little bit of redesigning up there to soften the exterior of the property. Doing that, and I'm doing a big um, renovation at the moment and a landscaping project here in Byron. And plus, I might build a camper van or fit out a camper van. Because... <laughs> I used to have one, as I mentioned, so uh, I sort of miss it a bit just to go down the coast for a couple of days. So I might do that as well. But look, at just business as usual. And I'm going to continue to run uh, my commercial property course, which I'm really enjoying and just looking forward to getting past this year, probably like everyone else and, and into hopefully what's going to be a much better year for all of us next year. Oh, fantastic, mate. And if the listeners would like to learn more about how to use commercial property to reach financial freedom, James has a free webinar that you can directly access via the Commercial Property Show affiliate link, which is www.jamesdawsoncommercial.com.au forward slash CPS. Or you can click on the link in the show notes. And where else can they contact you, James? Best to go to www.jamesdawsonproperty.com.au. Excellent, mate. My guest today has been James Dawson. Thanks, buddy. Fantastic. Great to chat, Andrew. Chat soon. All right, all right. That brings us to our newest segment to the show, and that segment is called Ripper Resource.
In this segment, I'm going to share some resources that I have personally used, read, or listened to that have made a big difference in my life, and I think they deserve to be shared. So the first Ripper resource for 2021 is Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I actually just started reading this book in the holidays and I'm about halfway through it and it's a really, really good book if you own a business or you have like a side hustle or something like that and you find yourself always thinking, how am I going to do this? And you're the main person that has to do everything. Instead of thinking that, they talk about thinking first, who is going to do this? Who is going to help me? Who is going to expand this for me? And I can just tell this is something that I'm going to implement into 2021 to my business that I'm working on and everything like that. So I think it's a really great book and I know that you guys will enjoy it. So it's this week's Ripper Resource, Who Not How? by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps me with the rankings in iTunes. And visit our website, www.commercialpropertyshow.com.au. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, you have to develop yourself first before you can develop anything else. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.